0: I don't think I'm going to ingest enough information to be really competent. I, I was going to go
1: heavy weird. chick. Chick. I don't hear anything, Larry. I feel like Howard Stern. Yeah, it's a real radio show right now.
0: And welcome to another potentially useful episode of the Ed Loop podcast. We have a special pod today as Danielle and I are fortunate to be joined by TCAP's Director of Curriculum, Andy Phillips, and instructional consultant Dave Johnson from the Northern Michigan Learning Consortium. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words to discuss inquiry. That sounds good. We are going to discuss inquiry. That's,
1: <laughs> that's one of Dave's big platforms, I would say.
0: All right. But before we dig into this week's meat of the show, I wouldn't be allowed back on the red carpet if I didn't share this week's Moment of Zen. And I think that's when we're at our best, when we support each other, not when we cancel each other out for our past mistakes, but when we help each other to grow, when we educate each other, when we guide each other toward redemption, that is the best of humanity. How about that? That's pretty good. That that, that was actually uh, Joaquin Phoenix from the Academy Awards this (laughs) this Sunday. So there we go. All right. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys because you have the information and um, start the conversation.
1: The the story of social studies and TCAPS has been uh, something that I've become familiar with just really this year. I've only been with TCAPS for uh, not even a year and a half. And I started off uh, by helping to facilitate language arts. And um, then before this school year, I was able to take that role on for social studies. I am not a social studies teacher by trade. Uh, or a social studies administrator of any kind, but I do enjoy facilitating learning for adults and decision-making with adults. And, uh, and so um, I would say that starting in the elementary world and social studies and TCAPs, we were just looking for the elementary leaders are, are the same as me. We don't have social studies degrees. We're not department social studies teachers. So we signed up with a, a session uh, with Dave early on um, in the year, happened to be at Great Wolf Lodge, which was interesting. And, uh, it was really about an update to, um, what the new standards are because, uh, and maybe Dave will talk about this some later, but in a somewhat controversial rollout, uh, the social studies standards took a couple of years to actually make it to the classrooms in Michigan. And so we wanted to go hear the story and hear Dave's take on many things. So what he started off with though, was an inquiry. It was an inquiry activity. And, um, it was a simple activity, but a really good one, presented us with a picture, historical picture, and we just asked questions about it. And, and my after I've learned all about inquiry as much as I can, I just keep going back to that experience as being what inquiry is. Look at something, start asking tons of questions, and as you're learning, you listen for the answers. And, uh, and that makes learning much more engaging. So in TCAPS, we've taken that and we've made that same activity as part of our rollout for new social studies notebooks, which Danielle is a part of. That kind of brings us all together here. So Danielle uh, has been joining us for our social studies notebook committee meetings. And the reason EdTech is so important is because we rely on, what are they called, free free source materials?
2: Open source.
1: Good. We, we rely on open source materials for our social studies and Say open source is technology. It's the internet. And so to have Danielle as part of that conversation has been super helpful. Well, at the last time we said, you know, this would make a pretty good podcast to have Dave come on and talk about inquiry and um, social studies, but really just inquiry in general. So anyways, that's how we became associated with Dave. And now we're getting more and more uh, folks from TCAPS to go talk with Dave and basically build inquiry units, uh, inquiry-based units and lessons in social studies.
2: So, Dave, can you tell us your background and your role and how you fit into the social studies arena? Sure.
3: Well, first of all, Andy, you may not be a social studies person by trade, but we welcome you to what I like to refer to as the light side of the instructional force. Yeah.
1: Dave Dave does refer to administrators at his section as, what do you call it? We're like the dark side or the, he he'll often say, if you're an admin in the room, you shouldn't be listening to this. Right. To poke and prod whenever possible
3: because...
0: Dun, 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 Sorry, just had to do that.
3: Yeah, if you can edit that music in, like, it'd be perfect.
0: <laughs> Will do.
3: <laughs> so I uh, I taught in music, Michigan for almost 10 years before moving up to the ISD world, um, and I initially applied for an ELA consultant gig at Wexford-Masaki ISD and ended up as the shared social studies consultant for all of northern Michigan. So... I'm still not entirely certain uh, how you know things escalated so quickly, but I love the role. Social studies was my primary background, um, I added the ELA degree later, so um, I've been happy to stay uh, as part of my original round of schooling, uh, stay in the, the social studies field. So 10 ISDs at this point, including TBA ISD, that's uh, how TCAPS is involved. Um, And I provide professional learning to educators all across the North. um, And part of essentially representing almost one fifth of the ISDs in the state, that's how I keep ending up on state level leadership teams like the standards update process. You know, I may not have had the most experience in the room at the table, but I definitely represented the largest geographic region. So that put me into play, which was kind of cool.
1: So can you then go into just a little bit of detail about what your role was with new social studies standards and something that we have found super useful? Everybody that has gone from TCAPS to one of Dave's sessions is, if nothing else, you hear it right from the horse's mouth. That's what I really appreciate. Really, because you're the one that's at all of the state-level meetings and you were part of writing the new standard. So talk to us a little bit about that. Did you just call me the horse's mouth? That's crazy. It's better than the horse's other end. (laughs) Wow. That was fast too. I got it. It was quick. You put the headphones on. I feel like a professional post here. And all of your listeners
3: are now understanding why I poke and prod administrator. (laughs) I think that, you know, I went into the writing process with my own preconceived notions of, you know, what should be fixed um, from my 10 years of teaching, in particular, eighth grade US history in MISIC. But representing a wide geographic area, I tried my best to think of myself as an unelected elected official. So I was constantly bringing news of the updates to my teacher groups in the hopes that they would provide me with some guidance and feedback for not just the areas that I was super familiar with and and that I had my hands on, but, um, you know, for some of the areas that I had not taught. Um, in particular, I've got a small but mighty group of K2 teachers uh, at a couple of ISDs in particular that, you know, told me in no uncertain terms that if I moved their cheese too much, uh, there was going to be a, a revolution on my hands. So, you know, I tried to bring specific feedback to the K4 team uh, in terms of, you know, what these teachers who had that dedicated time in their day uh felt were some needed changes so i I really saw myself as you know i have my priorities but let's find out where the priorities around northern michigan are um so that i can bring some of those concerns to the table
1: and then uh when I, I and I've heard your that like your update spiel a few times and it's really consistent. Could you could give us a real boiled down version of what you see as what would be the major change, you know content aside, but what's what have been the major changes as far as uh, social studies standards go?
3: So we had some big terminology changes k twelve. Um, we actually consulted the twelve tribes that are in Michigan and asked them, you know, how should we refer to you guys? Uh, across the document. This was the first time we'd actually asked them. Uh, you know, in both other sets of social studies standards that have been out there, we just sort of went with what the national norm was at the time, but we never consulted the tribes. So, huge terminology shift. Um, and in this case, it's Indigenous peoples um, that begins really in third grade, but carries all the way through a, a kid's entire school career. We also tried to consolidate the standards whenever possible. There were redundancies um, in certain things that we were able to eliminate, which allowed a class like high school civics to go from 98 content expectations to roughly 54, which is still a lot. But um, if you're looking at either a semester or a trimester course, 98 content expectations is about one content expectation a day. And that's that's too many. Um, and then we tried to... Increase the clarity of what really the heart of a standard was about. And one of the ways we did that was by removing all of those daunting parentheticals from within a standard that made something that was essentially a sentence appear to be a paragraph in length at time. Uh, It kind of breaks up the reading of a, a standard and you lose sight of what's really being asked. So we added this examples may include but are not limited to piece under most of the standards in the hopes that We could recapture all of those examples and then expand upon them, K-12. So those are some of the massive changes. Um, You know, everything else I I feel like was not a substantial shift away from what was originally there. We just tried to be more intentional about what we're
1: asking teachers to do. Then I also think that you can segue into what role has inquiry uh, played in the revision of social studies standards?
3: So that's the fun part of this. Um, if we didn't move everybody's cheese significantly in terms of content, we did want to provide a better lens for some of the how, You know, some of the how they, they teach it in class. So inquiry isn't new. It's been around for forever. Um, but C3 inquiry is the new piece that's in our standards. And it's defined essentially through this arc of inquiry. Uh, Teachers should be presenting students with a compelling question as part of their lessons and daily routines. And these questions are rooted in the content at each grade level, and they should be big and meaty and arguable while still maintaining uh, the student-friendly lens. So, you know, a rule of thumb that I tell teachers to think about is, who is this question really compelling to? Um, And one that I like to throw out there is what were the social, political, economic, and cultural trends that made the 1920s such an exciting decade that may be compelling to a middle-aged history nerd, but in a classroom of 30 teenagers, the questions should really spark a desire in the students to want to learn more and question more. And it it should keep their attention. So I sometimes counter that example question with, uh, you know, did the 20s roar? Which, um, you know, depending on your personal style could be compelling or, you know, like some of my colleagues on the state level team, you know, we all agree on what a compelling question is, but we differ sometimes on, you know, whether or not a question is truly compelling. So regardless, it's it's really designed to spark interest in students' study of a topic Um, and be as free of edgy jargon as possible. So those compelling questions are a component that I think every teacher can begin to start grappling with. And then they're supported by supporting questions which are more closely rooted to your content. It doesn't matter as much with the supporting questions if your students fall asleep halfway through them. Um, You know, they provide kind of the lens to focus where that compelling question is headed. So from there, you know, I think the non-negotiables on inquiry instruction are questions. I mean, if we're, we're talking inquiry, that is literally a question. Um, and with those two pieces in hand, teachers can, you know, start to look at some of the other dimensions in the C3 arc of inquiry, which includes the dimension two, where you start filling in disciplinary-specific concepts and disciplinary-specific tools and skills that kids can practice on a frequent and ongoing basis. And then you get into dimensions three and four which are about critiquing evidence and communicating clu- conclusions and taking informed action. So I think the non-negotiable to answer that question are questions and then as far as where you go from there, there's plenty of options uh, spelled out both by the framework and many other approaches to teaching inquiry
2: Wow. Dave, this is really exciting. Um, so my background is ELA and social studies as well, but I work in ed tech. So in ed tech, we follow the ISTE standards. And so the ISTE standards for students are designed to empower student voice and ensure that students are driving that learning process. And Everything that you just said about what is happening in social studies, those all fit 100% in with those ISTE standards of, like, empowered learner and knowledge constructor. And, oh, my gosh, the action, the political action and or the service that you're telling kids to do, like, that is all built right into the ISTE standards that I'm talking about. And it is so cool to see them all connect.
3: I don't have, like, the ISTE standards memorized, but I've looked at them before mm-hmm. in your app. right. There are some strong connections between the two. So it's not, there's no baby, there's no bathwater. We're not throwing anything out. In fact, we can use technology instruction in particular to help enhance what's going on in social
2: studies. I taught fourth and fifth grade for a really long time. And sometimes it was a struggle to bring them along on the things that I was passionate about with social studies. So I love the inquiry-based questioning. Very, very cool. What kind of challenges do you see for the classroom teacher with implementing this type of Education around those social studies standards. And
1: before you answer that question, I do have a moment of Zen of my own that I brought to the table <laughs> for today's podcast.
2: I mean, and that I, was like 20 minutes ago, but it's okay. It. No, I,
1: th- in the last <laughs> time he's I sprinkled them, I, know, I sprinkled them through all, so we're going to do that again.
0: Andy's commercial break <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you like this, Dave. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Involve me. And I learn. Sound effects from following yes. there. I
2: want to high five because well, that to- did totally further. Yeah, yeah did. Yeah. And that's so. a
1: quote from Benjamin Franklin. So who? And Benjamin Franklin, he's famous. He's a social <laughs> studies guy. That—that's the question: is what does it look like in the classroom? Inquiry-based instruction in social studies. And I love Danielle's take on this: is what are the challenges for the teacher? And then a follow-up to that is other spots like administration. Mm-hmm. It's tough if you're administrator, an administrator maybe to go in and observe inquiry-based instruction in action. And we all have a lot of learning to do about it.
3: So I think to kind of wrap all of those things into one, I think a lot of people who at first look at C3 look at it as this daunting thing. I mean, if you download the booklet, it's you know like a 100-page booklet. 136, and- <laughs> 100- I'd like to point out. <laughs> So you know that that's a lot, but I think the key, and this is what I've been trying to work with my teacher groups on, uh, since I came to the ISD level, since before I came to the ISD level, schools have been grappling with things like how to embed literacy practices into non-ELA courses for years. And with what's presented in C3, the lead writer of the framework, Kathy Swan, likes to put it: C3 is literacy on social studies terms. And I think that a teacher opening the document who really reflects uh, on what they're reading as they go through the various dimensions of the the C3 framework will already see some small components of things that they're already doing in the classroom present in those 130 some pages. Um, It's just about doing those things more intentionally and when it makes the most sense and then kind of framing it under this bigger thing of inquiry. So I think a teacher who wants to jump right in can find a wealth of great inquiries that have already been made by teachers around the country at c3teachers.org. And they were written to other states' content expectations. But to a certain degree, we're all teaching the same courses. What tends to shift are the grades in which things appear. Uh, There's a great U.S. history inquiry written for seventh graders in New York about Uncle Tom's cabin with the compelling question, can words lead to war? And I think that fits perfectly in Michigan's eighth grade U.S. history curriculum. Uh, Another state has a sixth grade inquiry on the Black Plague that could either work in seventh grade or high school world history. So a teacher that wants to jump right in can find all of that stuff readily available and they can take it and go. But teachers also sometimes want to wade in a little more slowly. And that's okay, too. They can take a look at the C3 framework and start to break apart components of the framework down to the individual level and have students do things like analyze multiple perspectives, have them critique the validity of a source that they're looking at, have them explore how a northerner's view of slavery might differ from a southerner's view of slavery, and have them teach from kindergarten on that if they see a problem, there are steps that they can take to address it. And they might succeed, they might fail, but they always have the option to try. And so that 130-some pages of the C3 framework, those are all pieces of a much larger puzzle that they can take and start to explore and get comfortable with.
1: In TCAPS, we're on this search, especially in the area of social studies, because it's been an area that's been neglected and on the investment side for quite a while. And so we're looking for new materials and new resources. So... My, the question I have for you that I'd like your take on, that I'll get more formally with our middle school uh, uh, reviewers that we have gathered in the next couple of weeks here, whatever materials you use, could you talk about how they might really hurt an inquiry process and how they might empower an inquiry process? So, for example, a teacher might have a beautiful new textbook or new program from a big publishing company. I could see that both really hampering inquiry or the, the, using the C3 framework, I can also see that empowering. So can you just talk about what your take is on that a little bit?
3: So I think where a lot of people tend to go whenever there's new standards is, oh gosh, we need new textbooks. And social studies may be the only content area that actually has a, a leg to stand on with that front. Because if I have talked to one social studies teacher, I've talked to thousands of them who you know, report things like, well, our book mentions the dawn of the Reagan era, so it might be, you know, time to, to update. And so one of the things that I try to push people towards is no matter how new your textbook or how pretty the cover on the new one is, it's not going to differ significantly in terms of content from publisher to publisher and from state to state with a couple of notable exceptions. Um, so what I, I try to do is I try to push people to look beyond just the history that's presented or the geography or the political science that's presented on the pages and look beyond what's there to how the resources that go along with them support inquiry. So I think a well-chosen resource could have plenty of additional pieces to it that could uh, easily help. No matter what textbook you look at, it's going to have a pretty cover, and it's going to hit all of the content per se of what um, is specified in the Michigan content expectations. Where I'm asking people to look is, you know, that resource kit that goes along with it. Um, how well do the resources in that kit help support any form of inquiry, whether it's C three or not? Because you always, whenever you get new standards textbook publishers haul out the same book that they've been hauling out for years. They call it version seven. They may say align to the Michigan standards, but it's still the same one that they're selling in in California or Texas. So really take a good, strong look on at the supplemental resources because how you utilize a textbook isn't going to change unless it's an inquiry-based text. Um, you know, it's the resources that will really help a teacher who may not be super comfortable moving into the waters of inquiry get more comfortable with
0: with that. It seems like one of the really important things with the inquiry-based model is flexibility. Um, one of the things you had mentioned earlier was um, making sure that your questions that you're asking the students are relevant. And to me, that means that you have to have some level of flexibility because what's relevant to a student is going to change in regards to what the content is. When we're looking at new curriculum, that almost seems like a place where online would be a great place to find that level of flexibility as far as resources that somebody might provide or even a learning community that might have some more appropriate questions, student-appropriate questions, to start an inquiry on a subject. Is that something that you guys look for?
3: I think there's a lot of stuff available that, uh, wouldn't necessarily even require a massive purchase but whatever anyone does should be in line with a you know some form of a curriculum review cycle where you kind of sit down and figure out you know how how could it look across the district or even a grade band um, and go from there and I think that's where some of that work has to be done on a more local level basis because of some of those things you identified, you know, it's going to look a little bit different in a K2 classroom here than it is in a K2 classroom over here.
1: The other thing I'm noticing too, is we're bringing in companies to present to us what their take is on best practice, social studies instruction. I told Dave this last time I saw him was that they, they all aren't because they, the new buzzwords with social studies instruction are C three framework, inquiry based instruction, and then text- the big textbook companies partner with certain people you know that that are big with those key words. So it's it's interesting. They all claim to be aligned. They all claim to be inquiry based, uh, and so on and so forth. So I just think it's really important as we're looking at those things to um, one see what kinds of. What kinds of questions are being promoted? Dave spends a ton of time at his sessions, maybe not a ton, but a decent amount of time putting questions up that say, are these inquiry based questions or is this would this follow the C3 framework or would these be more support questions? So once we know what those things are, if we can find out, you know how easy is it to access some really powerful inquiry questions in this particular text, probably the better off it's going to be as far as empowering teachers to deliver that you know, to deliver that form of instruction in their classroom.
3: Show me the questions. Look really closely at those questions um, because we may debate whether or not something like did the twenties roar, is it appropriate as a compelling question or not? But if it's filled with edu jargon, it's not going to inspire and excite a kid. So if you can pull out those questions and instantly go, well, Yep. I'd say this meets our school definition or our district definition of a compelling question or not. That's a great place to start to kind of start weeding out some of the useful ones from the ones that may not be quite as C3 aligned as you know the big publishing companies would like you to believe they are.
2: So Dave, how does a classroom teacher get started with, with changing everything that they've done for so many years? And along those same lines, how, how does a small district who might not have an Andy Phillips helping steer the ship, how do how they get into this inquiry game? Are there resources for them? How do they get started?
3: Well, I'm always going to plug the professional learning that I offer at the ISDs that I offer professional learning at. Um, but I also recognize that subpools in particular are notoriously small. The time shared across a region, and that can be more difficult um, to arrange than I think anyone would really like. So um, we have, as a state, launched a official website to be kind of the one-stop home for everything social studies in the state of Michigan. Um, you can find it at www.misocialstudies.org, so mysocialstudies.org. Um, And we're going to continue as a statewide team to kind of develop a common language and framework for districts to take and make their own. But I also love the work of, you know, aligning your own curriculum and building up and seeking out the resources you need versus the resources that, you know, are presented to you. So, you know, one of the things that I, I have to offer regionally because, Of the nature of my work is still, you know, if there's a group of districts in TBA or SHARM or any of the ISDs that I service that want to get together and have that conversation and start mapping some curriculum through an inquiry-based lens, that's work that my role supports and that's work that I would love to roll up my sleeves and, and help with. So I guess the the easiest answer right now is keep checking out MISocialstudies.org for resources, videos, tips. Uh, There's a video every month that we release uh, similar to this where I interview someone else who was part of the update process. And one of the questions that I have always asked them has been, you know, what does inquiry look like in K4? What does inquiry look like in high school econ? What does it look like in high school civics? Um, and there's always some common components of those, but also discipline and grade level specific. So we really see this website as being our message of what inquiry-based instruction looks like across the state. So keep checking that out as in, in the short term and the long term.
2: So you mentioned um, c3teachers.org. You also mentioned misocialstudies.org. Any other places that we should be going to for information?
3: So, if you want some examples of what some of this could look like in a variety of formats, I recommend the Giants Project out of Ottawa ISD. It was really a first attempt at taking C three and scaling it up to the unit-based level, um, and those are freely available units for grades three through eight. You know, worst-case scenario, you know, steal the questions and steal the instructional pacing and steal stuff like that. It's open source. It's an OER. And so it's, it's meant to do that. Um, I also like, but I'm biased, uh, the Michigan Open Book Project. I was
1: waiting for I, that to come out. Yeah.
3: If nothing else, steal the questions. Uh, they went through a lot to get to that point. Um, and I think some of them could still use the fresh revision of a uh, teacher who's just starting to realize what inquiry-based instruction could be in the classroom and wants to t- put their own spin on it. Um, so those are two. And then on the Michigan Open Book Project website, there's also a the beginnings of a Michigan inquiry hub that's similar to the C3 teachers website. My hope is that someday other ISDs around the state will also run that inquiry design training that I ran last year that I'd like to run again. And we can feed all of these statewide inquiries into the MISocialStudies.org website. But right now, it just exists on the My Open Book website. Um, I, hope to scale it up. I know some other ISDs are starting to do that work and we're talking as a leadership team about whether or not we offer that as one of our statewide offerings as part of the rollout. So don't have to start completely from scratch. Those are some free things that you can take a look at to start getting ready uh, for the shift. And you don't have to be 100% inquiry based by the end of the school year. You know, we're looking at least three years of rollout after this possibly more you know it, it's just when the state is ready to pull the trigger on the new assessment
2: so Dave I'm looking at your Northern Michigan inquiry hub right now and I just want to read off some of these compelling questions for listeners uh, for a kindergarten do I need money to get the things I want who is part of our community as a second grade inquiry looking at some of the more sophisticated ones for, Upper L.
1: I think that first kindergarten one was pretty sophisticated. Right, Larry has moment of Zen thoughts rolling through his head (laughs) when he hears the kindergarten compelling question.
2: Fifth grade, I love um, what happens when people don't like the rules they're forced to follow. And when is it the right time to break the rules? These are just incredible. High school, is democracy available to all U.S. citizens? When does competition turn into conflict? These are really, really, really good.
0: I
3: had a lot of fun running that training. Um, you know, I spent the entire first day on a slow burn of good questioning, but I think it paid off because, you know, I've got about 30 that teachers didn't finish that still have fantastic questions, and I'm working with them this year. I'm working with a few of them in particular this year to really finish that inquiry so I can get it up on the hub because I just love the questions so much.
1: What I find um, really interesting about social studies, it's it's uh, and I think it's probably one of the biggest challenges, is the fact that... In many, probably most places, it hasn't been something that's been invested in um, by districts. I mean, and and I I think that the real boiled down reason is because it is tested, but it's only tested three times in a student's, you know, academic life versus language arts and math. Uh, And those high stakes tests are tied to so many different things. So not only, I I think that explains um, lack of investment as far as textbooks go, but the, the more I'm getting into it, I think districts just need to invest more in getting teachers out so that they can bring information back to their departments. That's kind of a dual model at second at a secondary level. At the elementary level, it's really, really hard though, because you have when you're an elementary, you know, whatever grade teacher, social studies is one of your preps. It's not the only one. And most likely, your training and your PD and your most current materials are in language, arts, and math. The flip side of that, though, is that um, you have a lot of flexibility in the area of social studies, as long as you have some certain base understanding of what things are. And I was waiting for you to plug my open book. And uh, in TCAPS, we have all of our curriculum units written around resources that mostly are from my open book. And it kind of carried a bad rap uh, in TCAPS because it was one of those things that teachers just kind of expected to figure out on their own. So this year we've reinvested, have actually had some time in front of all teachers and are getting groups of teachers together so that we can increase the rigor. And I just say the engagement of the tasks that we're asking students to do, not only does that give everyday classroom teachers access to that stuff, but then it also creates this little cadre of... I would say we're experts now in the area of, as much as we can be, uh, in the area of designing inquiry around good questions that we can get out to teachers. So I don't know, can you talk a little bit about about some of the challenges that you've seen across the state regarding social studies, both secondary and, and elementary levels?
3: Well, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that uh, in the elementary level, it's it's not always a priority. Like, this is news to me. I've never heard this before. <laughs> no, um, it's... <laughs> You know, one of the things, um, especially as I started to attract some K two teachers to some of my my offerings around the northern Michigan region and one of the things that I tried to reassure them on was that you don't have to find me a 90 minute social studies block on top of your you know your 90 minutes of literacy, your hour of math, and then you know the recess and everything else. I think that a lot of literacy programs that schools have adopted over the last few years because that has received a lot of attention and time and energy. Um, I think that a lot of those have, particularly in K2, some connective tissue between the concepts that we want to teach kids in K one two, and so I tell them if you can find me fifteen to twenty minutes, three or four times a week, most weeks, even if it's not every week, and even if it's three days, you are. It's way better than the nothing that may be going on right now. So I think when some people hear we need to add time into our day for science and social studies, they look at it as this well, I already have an hour and a half of literacy. I already have an hour of math. I already have all this other stuff. I can't possibly fit in it. When you start talking about it in the 15 to 20 minute range, suddenly some things can be moved around. You can cut down on transition time going out to recess. You can, you know, there, there are ways to find me that dedicated time. And at the same time, you're also enhancing what's going on in the literacy block. Now that changes a little bit when you hit Third grade on up. Um, Generally, not everywhere, but generally speaking, most districts that I work with offer some form of science and social studies in a more dedicated format starting with third grade. You know, whether they flip flop and do a science unit and then a social studies unit, which I have thoughts on, but, you know, for simplicity's sake, um, or whether they have, you know, a half an hour in third grade that scales up a little bit more. Those are the teachers that are already more comfortable and more familiar with finding connections and and building that into their day. But it still doesn't have to be a high school 60-minute block of time built in. Would I love to see that? 100% absolutely. Uh, But do I recognize that that's not an option everywhere? 100%. So generally, you start to see a more dedicated instructional time in, in that third through fifth grade range. And then you move up into middle and high school and, you know, it's it's a dedicated part of the day. So I think part of the challenge is just getting people to step back and realize that in K-2 in particular, I'm not asking for an hour and a half. I'm asking, find me 15 to 20 minutes and be intentional about what you do with that
0: time. As far as piling on, I'm just going to throw this in here because this is something we discuss a lot. And I'm just wondering, we're always trying to find a place to put this into the day and maybe social studies is the place. Is there anything that you guys are working on or talking about concerning digital citizenship in the social studies curriculum or some inquiry based questions around digital citizenship as you guys are kind of promoting this?
3: On the surface, people sometimes look at civics and the citizenship strands that are in there. And then they see the digital citizenship. And what I've sometimes seen, um, others do is is kind of lump them together as if they are exactly the same thing and that they do have some connective tissue but there are some nuanced differences between the two for sure i think we we oftentimes overlook but you know at the end of the day when you've got a concept like digital citizenship it's basically how do you get along with others online and citizenship wise it's A little bit more than that, but I guess if I'm going to grossly oversimplify one, I'll oversimplify the other. It's how do you get along with others in society? You can find that connective tissue. I just caution everyone not to play six degrees of Kevin Bacon with two different sets of standards and make that, you know, make a unnatural
0: fit between two things. But I think there's some entryway there. The Frankenstein of citizenship. I can see it already.
1: The first thing I think of, too, when when thinking about that question and connecting some tech standards to social studies is when you go back to the C3 framework, C3 is college, career, and civic life. And so, at least in the groups I've been working with, we've been trying to figure out what is our group philosophy on on the tasks that we're trying to develop and design for students. And ultimately, the goal is to be a productive citizen and to impact your community. And I think digital citizenship plays a a role in that part of of things. Um, Maybe not overtly taught, but at the end of the day, we want to release students into the world being a positive citizen in all the different environments that they have to, you know, follow some rules and standards in.
2: That's what I was going to say. We're building good humans with everything that we do. It's all connected.
1: Now that I can get behind.
3: That I can agree with.
2: Dave, anything else you want to add? Anything that we didn't touch on that that you want to talk about?
3: I think we covered most of it. Um, You know, if if people come away with one thing or, you know, a a one run-on sentence of, you know, what I I said today, it's hopefully that we're not asking people to do anything that they're probably not already doing. It's being more intentional about how they use those instructional minutes in social studies to, at the end of the day, hopefully enhance everything else that's going on in the classroom. And for everyone else, go to MISocialStudies.org and stay, stay connected with the updates.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for this.
0: All right, uh, Tech two of the Week. <laughs>
2: Tool of the week. Sure. I want to mention a couple of books that I think are amazing that have to do with this inquiry idea as well. Um, Dive into Inquiry and Inquiry Mindset are both by Trevor McKenzie. They are great for getting started with inquiry and they're really, really easy reads. And what I love about them is that. Trevor has put some exclusive content on his website. So trevormackenzie.com, exclusive-content. There are videos and webinars and book club resources and sketch notes and videos. So if you are going to dive into those books, I would grab some, some friends, some teacher colleagues, some administrators, and do a book study. And there's just a lot in here that can kind of get you a team to get started with Inquiry.
1: Dave, you want to plug the books that you like too? Dave always has a couple of certain books at his uh, yeah,
2: let's at his do it.
1: trainings that are on inquiry-based that, I don't know, considers the, the godfathers <laughs> of the movement.
3: The two that I recommend the most, and they're both by the same authors, it's Kathy Swan, John Lee, and S.G. Grant, who were kind of the uh, leading voices behind the development of the C3 framework. Inquiry Design Model, Building Inquiries in Social Studies is a beautifully organized book that really walks teachers through how the arc of inquiry comes together in one format. And they just released a new one called Blueprinting, an inquiry-based curriculum, which I think you can only get through NCSS right now, but should be on Amazon soon, that takes what was in that first book and then scales it up for a variety of different purposes. And I love both of them. I don't know if you include visual or not with these podcasts, but my copies are completely marked up and dog-eared and sticky-noted. And I think that they're both accessible and um, not boring um, and a really good example of what C3 could be.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
0: In closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPSloop.
2: At D A. At
0: Fish and Sparty AP with no G at the end of fishing. (laughs) All right. Do you have anything there, Dave?
3: At not Dave Johnson, because Dave Johnson was taken, so not Dave Johnson.
0: Perfect. I love it. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Leave a review. Five stars. We love it. And we love your feedback. Thanks for listening and inspiring.
1: I don't know about you guys, but I could listen to myself talk for hours.
3: (laughs)